Nobody likes a bully, and nobody wants to be bullied. But now the tough questions for you. Have you ever considered that your child could be the bully? Have you thought of a plan of action if you discover that your child is a bully? Or what's your strategy if your child is being bullied? Today, we'll be talking with Paul Coughlin, author of the book, Freeing Us from Bullying. That's next on Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm glad you joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long, fully accredited, Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry. Trace is the author of the book, The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. I'm Michelle Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherds Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. And you know, Trace, the subject of bullying has been a real hot topic over the past several years here in America. Why does it seem that this problem is as bad as it's ever been? Well, in one sense, I'm I'm not sure it's any worse than it's ever been. I I think uh, almost everyone has been bullied in one way or another at some point in their lives. And and many of us have done some bullying of of our own, uh, especially if we've had younger siblings. Um, as I see it, the big difference between what's going on today and what went on when we were kids is, of course, the Internet. Uh, mm-hmm. Today, kids can be bullied virtually round the clock via social media. Uh, they get to take their school bullies home with them every day, virtually. Uh, it used to be that when you went home from school, uh, to the safety of your family, you had a, a little reprieve from these people. Uh, the Internet has changed that. And, and then there's the fact that a lot of kids uh, don't always have solid families to go home to anymore. Uh, they're being raised by grandparents or aunts and uncles or single moms. If they have anyone uh, at home at all when they get home from school, we used to call them latchkey kids. Today, we kind of dropped the term because it's, uh, it's, it's become the new normal, uh, something that, that shouldn't be normal at all, if you, if you ask me. Uh, as a result, there's a, a sense of security that's gone away for, for too many kids. And, and, of course, any Internet bullying that goes on, and there's lots of it, often carries over into real physical uh, bullying when, when kids get face-to-face with one another at school. Sadly, you know, when, when these things uh, get to a breaking point, uh, that's when we too often hear uh, about another mass shooting somewhere. It's like it's the uh, shooter's way of saying, uh, here you go for messing me up, uh, or here you go for messing with me, rather, and, and you know, not looking out for me. Uh, human beings can only take so much chaos, insanity, and abuse, and there's mm. plenty of it in uh, in public school today. And I expect today's guest can uh, help us once again sort it all out and offer up some good sound counsel. Yeah, I'm sure that he can advise parents on this big, big issue. Our guest today is Paul Coughlin. Paul is a dad, husband, speaker, author, and expert witness standing against bullying. He's so expert, he started the organization, The Protectors. The Protectors stand for freedom from bullying through courage, character, and leadership. Paul's written eight books, including Raising Bully-Proof Kids, Free Us from Bullying, and it's going back a couple of years, but Paul also wrote the book, No More Christian Nice Guy. Well, Paul, welcome back to the Licensed to Parent broadcast. Hey, great to be with you. Thank you. You know, it's been a while since you've been here on Licensed to Parent, uh, at least a couple of years, I think. 
uh, coverage-wise, it seems like bullying has kind of taken a backseat to, I don't know, insurrection, riots, uh, uh, Black Lives Matter, white supremacy, Antifa, COVID, inflation, supply chain issues, and the threat of nuclear war, among myriad other things. So people are probably just too preoccupied with all this stuff to be bullying one another right now, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, Jesus said the poor will be with you always. He may as well have said, uh, added to that list, people who enjoy bullying. Yeah. Uh, they will be in our lives as kids. They'll be in our lives as adults. They're in our culture. Yeah. Uh, I call it overthrow culture. Mm-hmm. And um, we need to learn how to stand against it. The sooner our kids learn mm. to stand against bullying, the better their life is going to be. And and also, too, better the life of the kid who bullies. Yeah. When a kid who bullies or experiments with bullying, they get direct feedback for their behavior, and that direct feedback being negative, they're far less likely to do it in the future as well. Mm. So it's really beneficial to the kid who enjoys psychologically tormenting another person. Yeah. So what exactly is bullying and where is the line of demarcation between this kind of abuse and just, you know, kids playing around with one another? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, yeah, so bullying is not about miscommunication. It's not about uh, misunderstanding. It's not about two people who just can't seem to get along. It's not about two people trying to be the alpha male or female in a group. That's not bullying. Bullying is the uh, deliberate use of power, real or perceived um, superior power, to deliberately harm another person multiple times and for no uh, justifiable reason. So a good difference uh, for people to keep in mind would be the difference between teasing and taunting, for example. Teasing is normally, it's uh, good-natured. It's about something the person can change. And uh, it's a two-way street. Uh, the, one person teases another person, they tease them back. Um, I have to, I've had to explain to my wife, uh, we have two boys and a, and a daughter. Oftentimes, it's just the three, the three boys against my wife. And <laughs> we tease her. Uh-huh. We tease her and... Um, and, you know, I've had to say to her many times, hey, baby, remember, you know, we, we tease the ones we love. We, you know, if, if we weren't, mm-hmm. if we love you, therefore we, we tease. But we, we don't care because we care. And because we care. And it's fun, you know. Um, yeah, but it's not taunting. It's not a one-way street, right? Yeah. Another way we can uh, look at it is it's only funny when both people are laughing. So it's reciprocal. Yeah. Well, if no one likes a bully, why do so many uh, bullies exist? Yeah, so we're looking at roughly 15% of a given population will either bully or be predisposed to serial bullying. So it doesn't sound like a lot, except that's about one out of every eight people in our lives. I was going to say, it sounds like a lot. I mean, you know, that does, 15% does sound like a lot. Yeah, Yeah, you're dealing with the 15%, not the 85%. Right. The 15%, you must handle differently. If you treat a serial bully who is almost always narcissistic, if you treat them the same way as you treat other people, you will likely leave a lane of pain and suffering, not just in your life, but you're going to leave a lane of pain and suffering in those who are under uh, your care. The short answer as to why people bully is because it works. Uh, We often get our way, our will be done, even if we have to psychologically uh, torment and torture another person in order to get it, in order to lie, in order to get it. Um, Not all 
liars are bullies, but all serial bullies lie, every one of them, even while holding a Bible. So we need to know that, and we need to know who we're truly dealing with. Uh, the other part, too, as to why bullies bully is that it's, it's fun. It's pleasurable to dominate and to control another person. And I think, you guys, if we were all honest, right, if we gave everyone who was listening a, a shot of sodium pentothal, for example, and give it 15 minutes to set in, and, and you would ask a question, um, hey, is anyone here, you know, have you bullied? Most of us, would say, we, we experimented with it at one time. Uh, yeah, but most of us don't become serial bullies because our conscience gets the better of us. And also, too, um, we have a moral uh, a fabric, most of us, to where, yes, I want my will to be done, but I'm not willing to trample over another person in order to get it. Yeah. A serial bully is willing and able, they have a game plan before they ever speak to you, to dominate control and trample you in order to get you to do what they want you to do. And if you don't do what they want you to do, you become a bad person in their so, eyes. So back to what you started to say here, the subtitle of your book is Real Solutions Beyond Being Nice. Before we talk about some of the solutions to bullying, uh, can you address the beyond being nice part? Because I do think uh, you know, there are people of faith who maybe have a, a false notion uh, that Jesus was just preeminently a nice guy, yet he's, this is the same guy who, who uh, you know, turned tables over and poured money out of the coffers. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, and that, that comes out of the book, as mentioned earlier, uh, No More Christian Nice Guy. And there's a big difference between being kind and being nice. Uh, nice is almost always a knee-jerk uh, reaction to people-pleasing. Mm. Uh, the word nice is never used in the Bible to describe the Father, Son, or the Holy Spirit, and it is not a, uh, a fruit of the Spirit. But the, the probably the biggest uh, compliment, you know, you can give someone in church is the nicest person you ever met. Well, we have to be careful with that because nice people hardly ever um, stand up to injustice. They hardly ever truly stand up for the underdog who really needs um, help. So uh, the, the three vocations where a serial bully can do the most harm will be uh, nursing, teaching, and ministry. Hmm. And the reason for that is that all three attract a more nurturing personality. And the nurturing personality believes, and particularly has been given a, a church script that says that this person is behaving awful, and if I can just love them more and be kinder to them, uh, you know, heap burning coals in their head, as, as Paul wrote, that um, I will convert their heart and uh, have them experience a kind of godly shame, and uh, therefore I can help lead them to repentance. When you're dealing with a serial bully, that could work. In reality, it usually doesn't work. Mm -hmm. uh, the writings of Paul and other, uh, you know, Paul's not writing to the totality of all human experience. He's writing to the bullseye of things that cause mm -hmm. problems in churches. He's writing to the normal garden variety stuff that right. churches and individuals are going to deal with in order to have health in their own lives and health in the church as well. He's not writing about the entire scope of how people behave, and it makes sense that he wouldn't do that, though he does write about bullies, uh, 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 wolves in sheep clothing, for example. But most of what we are given is written to the 85%. It's not written to the 15% that we have to contend with. Yep. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Paul Coughlin. 
Paul's written the book, Raising Bullyproof Kids. Trace and Bree, Paul and I will be right back after this. Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day operations. The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherd's Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. Shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. That's shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Hi folks, Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I've believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago. Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to His word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a fully accredited one-year residential program for teens in crisis. Today, we are helping you, the parent, think through bullying. Our guest is Paul Coughlin. Well, Paul, uh, picking up where we left off before the break, how do we reconcile Christ's Sermon on the Mount uh, and the idea of turning the other cheek in the context of dealing with bullies? (laughs) Yeah, turn the other cheek is the most tortured uh, scripture in the theater of bullying, so much so that um, ACSI, Association of Christian Schools International, asked me to write an article about it. And um, we we reconcile it by putting it in context, by actually reading what he said as opposed to reading what we think he said. And so in that really pivotal part of scripture, he gives us three examples. Uh, if someone asks you to porter one mile, you porter two. Well, of course, that was the Roman uh, guard. You, you were required to uh, carry their stuff for a mile or so. And so Jesus says, no, uh, you know, go two. Uh, if uh, someone asks you for your shirt, give to them your cloak also. You weren't required to give your cloak. Uh, I believe under uh, in, in the book of Exodus, you weren't required to do that. And then the third one, if someone strikes you on the cheek, turns to them and the other cheek, uh, striking someone on the cheek apparently uh, had legal consequences back then. So you could sue someone for doing that to you, get some sort of recompense from it. Okay, so he gives us three examples of the law 
And what he is telling us, and we know this at the end of that, that pivotal scripture, he's not telling us to necessarily accept abuse from other people. What he's really saying is that if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to follow me, the letter of the law is not good enough. If you're going to follow me, you must have a generous spirit. And we know that because that's what he says at the end of that scripture, have a generous spirit. So he's not telling in any way, shape, or form uh, to have your kid as a fourth grader on the playground, allow yourself to be beat up and pummeled by another kid. That is not what he's saying. It is so tortured, what we have done with that scripture, as to be a sin. It would be a sin, uh, given the given what I the work that we do with kids who have been serial bullied, it would be a sin for a parent to expect their child to have that level of abuse in their life and somehow call it godly. Well, isn't uh, uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount basically parabolic and hyperbolic uh, at, the, at the same time? Isn't he you know, emphasizing points to, to make a point, or, or, or have I missed something there? Well, um, I think we could probably spend two hours on the Sermon on the Mount and try yeah. to figure out what it is, right? Um, yeah, I think, I think it, it, it sometimes... Something can be truthful but not factual. Mm. And I, I think what he's doing is he's using stories in order to prove a larger point. And I think another example there would be the um, the story of two brothers. We call it the return of the prodigal son, but that's not what the Bible says. It's a story of two brothers. Was there really a father who did that? I, no, I, maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, though, though it may not be factual, it's incredibly truthful. We need yeah. to know that when reading uh, certain parts of Scripture. Right. That's good. So is there ever a time when you just have to pay your child to either take or administer a good old-fashioned Category 5 medieval butt-kicking here? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so, yeah, so our word for violence, our concept for violence comes from the concept to violate. So here's the deal. What is the motive of a kid who's being bullied and defends their dignity, value, and worth by uh, strong and assertive words and strong and assertive body blows. I contend that provided that that is not, it is not an ordinate uh, response, that there's really nothing wrong with that kid pushing back. And I think that when we expect a kid to sit there and take abuse after abuse after abuse, do we not realize we're setting that kid up um, for a kind of learned helplessness later in life, to be codependent uh, upon uh, an abuser later in life? We're conditioning that kid to have a pretty horrible life later on. I do, well, before COVID, we would do thousands of teacher training. And um, most teachers today are female. And one thing I would say during teacher training is, you know, as a teacher, you're giving a child a gift within a gift uh, when you help them stand up to bullying. You're going to help them as a little kid, but you're going to help them too as when they, they get older. And mm-hmm. in in the group of the size that I'm speaking to, I'll say, you know what, many of you married a bully, and that, that would be your first marriage. Uh, how did that work out for you? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I say it deliberately, not to like, create pain, but I say it, it's like, you know, this is a topic that goes deep into the soul of another person, and, mm-hmm. and some lives are destroyed by it. I think we can even be a little complicit in the bullying ourselves when we have uh, that wrong attitude. Uh, what's the first thing parents need to do when, when they discover their child is being physically bullied by another kid? Tell them it's not their fault. 
they, the bullies are very good at lying to other people. They're really good at gaslighting. Even a little five-year-old hmm. um, can start gaslighting. They often learn it from their parents, uh, a parenting style that is either really coercive or highly permissive or in a, in a home where a lot of sarcasm is uh, expressed about other people uh, through the umbilical cord really? of modeling. Sarcasm. They just, yeah, they just, uh, they just do it, you know, but the parents regularly put other people down. And the key and word is regularly. The, yeah. the key yeah. word is regularly yeah. there because sarcasm is used by Paul, <laughs> it's used by Jesus, it's used by everybody. But sarcasm is like salt. You know, a, a little bit of it is just perfect for, for the situation and the, and the, the context. Indeed. Too much of it, you, you ruin your whole meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as okay, so I, it, that, that's a good point. I would say that um, if if in the home they see a lot of derog- hear a lot of derogatory comments toward other people, is probably the better better. Because mm-hmm. I agree with you in regard to the the uh, the sarcasm that we find in scripture. Um, so there's nothing wrong with them. They don't deserve it. And then ideally, it's really stunning how many kids who get bullied never tell the bully to stop. A bully is not looking for a fight. A bully wants to overwhelm. Mm-hmm. And so they, they target and profile kids who they're pretty sure they can provoke and get away with it. And that's why, for example, October in America is anti-bullying month. It should really be August. Our, by oh, by yeah. October, it's too late. Yeah. By October, that kid has been um, profiled. They usually poke at the person at first, and the poor kid doesn't know they're being profiled. Uh, they're they're being surprised by comments. They're being uh, the bully is setting up the conflict, and the poor kid just walks into it. They're just a lamb and a slaughter, unfortunately. And so um, they don't have a script to follow ahead of time, and they're dumbfounded. They're tongue tied. They don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. So they need a script to follow. They need they need words quick. Uh, easy to remember words that they can say right away oh. uh, when they're being bullied. Okay, for example, like what would they say? Oh, there's a lot of them, and in the in we have a bunch of them in the book for us from bullying. But the one I uh, highly recommend is the word whatever, hmm. and this is what we call fogging because you don't really want to answer a bully directly. They're going to try to tie you up. They usually have greater verbal acumen than non-bullies, and their goal is to tie your kid up with words to the best of your child's ability. Don't let them do it. So a quick comeback said in confidence. You don't scream it. You don't yell it. But just have a I don't care look on your face and to say whatever with confidence. And then here's the other part is to move through the theater of bullying in order for crime to take place and to help the criminal. Um, they want to control time and location. Bullies are very similar. They want to control the location of the uh, provocation and the timing of it. And the more they can have your kid in that theater, in that dynamic, the more harm they can do. So to the best of their ability, move through the theater of bullying. And then what will happen is if we, if that kid does not give a public display of pain and anguish because that's what the bully wants – it helps them grow. I hate to say it, it helps them grow in social status up until around their sophomore year in high school. And it's pleasurable. They're getting a payoff from it. If they can push someone's buttons and get a rise out of them and it's in front of other people, 
that that's just electrifying. They love it. So to the best of our ability, don't give the bully a public display of pain and anguish, uh, particularly, you know, weeping and crying in front of the bully. They love that stuff. And please, the other thing for parents to understand is don't try to get the bully to understand what they're doing to your child. Mm. In most cases, most of the time, especially as they get older, the bully knows exactly what they're doing. And many bullies would do more if they can get their hands on the kid uh, more. And so when we have our kids like explain themselves to, to the bully, you're just, in many cases, we're giving the bully ammunition to attack our kids later. Crazy. At what point does a parent break in and take action? Oh, as soon as possible. You know, uh, I grew up in a home of, of bullying. I saw it firsthand among um, siblings. There's a reason why, you know, we started the protectors. It's not the only reason. It's one of the reasons. And I have, um, I have two sons and they are best friends right now, but they wouldn't have been if I had allowed the bullying to uh, continue. My older son is a big, strong, like German farmhand, right? And my parents are Irish immigrants. And so my second son is like me, who's basically an elf, right? I'm, I'm a tall elf, but I'm an elf. And so um, my older son would really, really bedevil my younger son. And I grew up under that kind of regime. And so I went after it early and often. So as soon as possible, and let me, let me speak to the men listening right now. Uh, studies tell us that uh, bullies tend to get more traction in the home uh, when there's lack of male supervision. That's right. And there is something about male supervision that the kids are less likely to, to try to pull this stuff. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why, but but it's just it's factual. So it's really incumbent upon uh, the men there. Do not let this happen under your watch. It, you are responsible for stopping it. And one of the ways you do it is you take away the false uh, excuses. You know, my oldest son would say, I'm just playing around. And I would, and then I would say, no, it's, you're not playing around. When people play around, both people are laughing. Both people are having a good time. He's crying. You're not. You're not playing around. Yeah. And then I would notice, too, for example, that um, uh, this would be done behind closed doors, right? I mean, things are happy, and then my youngest son starts screaming, and it wouldn't happen in front of me. And I would say, you know what? You're doing this behind closed doors. I know you're doing it, and you need to stop right now. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the uh, the other things we would do is I would just take away the false the false excuses uh, uh, from my you know my my oldest son and uh, and then I leveled the playing ground. This is going to sound like really bad parental advice. <laughs> it may or may not. I don't know. No, that's <laughs> I believe it's part of the wisdom of serpents. Uh, this is very important to have the wisdom of serpents when you're dealing with intentional abuse from one person to another. And I would say, I said to my oldest son, I said, hey, buddy, I know you're doing this stuff uh, behind closed doors. And so I'm giving your younger brother permission to bite you as hard as he possibly can. Um, because bullying is due to superior power. And my younger son would, you know, he'd punch his brother back and it wouldn't do anything. My, my older son would just laugh. He's so big and strong. <laughs> Do you want to take a guess what happened? Suddenly, my my oldest boy saw the light. A halo grew over his head. <laughs> Suddenly, he decided, oh, well, maybe I can't do this anymore. And for your listeners, uh, he never bit him. Hmm. Well, Paul, this has been wonderful again. Yes, we need to do you. it again sooner than later. But uh, we are on a time. Oh, would love to come back. Absolutely. 
Our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Paul Coughlin. Paul wrote the book, Free Us from Bullying. And if you're interested in learning more about Paul, go to theprotectors.org. That's theprotectors.org. Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent is a small part of a larger organization, Shepherds Hill Academy, our year-long premier Christian boarding school for teens in crisis. And I want to invite you to learn more about this ministry to teens and their families at our website, licensedtoparent.org. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer for Trace Embry. I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.